But let's, uh, let's pray and dive right in. We're going to have a good time. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for Sabbath and rest, the presence of your spirit. Thank you, God, that we can gather with, with people, just join together, and sing, and worship you. And now, Father, in these moments as we open your word, I pray that it would become very clear to us about the power of your spirit, how you've blessed us with gifts because of your grace. May it make a difference in this church and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there are times in my wife's job, in her work, that... um, she gets to do some pretty cool things. And she is, uh, she's a child life specialist, so her expertise is in child development. And she works in that capacity at Nemours Children's Hospital. And one of the things that she gets to do uh, from time to time is she gets to go shopping for toys. She, yeah, what kind of, yeah, that's a great job. So she gets to go on a little bit of a shopping spree at a toy store. So last Sunday, I believe it was, maybe it was a couple of Sundays ago, um, I tagged along with her and our youngest daughter tagged along as she did one of these shopping trips to purchase toys uh, because in the hospital setting, kids are trying to cope with being in a hospital and sometimes they need something to help them cope. Toys are a good coping mechanism. They help distract. They help them to, to sort of move through the process of having to have a surgery or having to have some sort of procedure done to them. And so toys are, are great for that kind of therapy. And so we, we go to the toy store. And, you know, I, I remember, you remember growing up how important the toy store was? The toy store was everything. It was just a little bit of slice of heaven on earth, people. You go to the toy store, and uh, it was great. And I remember, you know, I'm going to the, and I'm going to the toy store again, and, and I'm looking at all the toys. And the toys have changed these days. They're different. But it's good, still, still great toys. And I'm walking around, and Liberty and I are in there, and I pick, up a, I pick up one of those little soft Nerf balls, and I start chunking it at Liberty. It's just the play comes out in you at a toy store, right? And we're having a good time, and I'm looking around and checking it out. And after a little while, though, I'm just kind of going, okay, it's a toy store. This is great. All right. And okay, I'm over it, right? <laughs> kind of over the toy store and um, ready to move on, ready to move on. And this is great. I'm looking at things and wandering around. And Christina's getting all her stuff and, and everything, and it's great and all. We're about ready to check out. And, and you know, I'm not, I wasn't being a downer. I was just... Saying, you know, Toy Story, that's good. Then it, then it dawned on me. It, it's, it's different when you, when you get a little bit older and you go to a toy store or the toy store or the toy aisle in a, another store. It's a little bit different when you grow up. You don't see things quite the same way. And, it, and they probably lose their enticement after a while when you get a little bit older. If I see some of you grown people up in Toys R Us playing with toys, I'm going to be a little concerned with you. Right? The perspective begins to change, and then it dawned on me. Then I begin to look at the toy store slightly differently. In much the same way that Christina was now going to take all these wonderful, wonderful things in the toy store and put them in front of children and help those children cope with life and help those children be distracted from the pain that they're about to endure and help those children uh, experience a little bit of joy and happiness in in the midst of a potentially very difficult time. These toys were not toys just for me to play with anymore. They were now 
gifts to be given. Wow. There were gifts. Then the toy store became a whole lot more fun. Because I'm thinking, that, you, you give that to these kids over here, and they will just blub it. You, you, take, you take this whole aisle here with all the whatever it is, all the toys, maybe it's Nerf stuff, I don't know. You take that, and you put it in front of you. You give it away, and that'll, that'll bring life to somebody else. You see the change there? It's the spiritual dynamic that must take place in, in every Christ follower. You, you begin to see the world differently. You begin to see that which used to be meant for you and your entertainment and your joy and your, your, your distraction and helped you relieve, helped you relieve your pain and helped you to cope with life. You, you begin to see them as gifts that are now given to other people that you leverage for other people so that they can receive relief, so that they can cope, so that they can deal with the pain in their lives. Toy Store takes on a whole different perspective when you start seeing them not so much for you as much as it is gifts for other people and spiritually Jesus followers you grow up you mature and as you grow and as you mature you begin to see that it's not all about me and how I can be entertained, not even about how I can be distracted from my pain or cope with this life. It becomes about how I can leverage these once toys that were for me that are now gifts for other people and use them to relieve their pain, to lift them up, to leverage my resources so that somebody else is better off. Somebody else in the community, somebody else that's my neighbor is better off. These toys actually, um, these, these are donated. These are not the actual toys that my wife bought the other day. These are other toys, but these toys are going to go to kids in Haiti. Yeah. Because kids in Haiti, it's a rough spot. It's the poorest, poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, and it's rough there. So, so we're going to leverage our resources. These are not toys for us to play with, but they are now gifts that will go to help children have a little bit better life. Amen. And perhaps relieve a little bit of the pressure on some parents that are trying to help their kids live through a rough situation. So if you think about it, if you come, if you, if you think about it, you, you can't help but make the connection between spiritual gifts and ministry that's ultimately what it's all about see you're you're not so much interested in toys anymore if you're a growing christ follower if you're a maturing christ follower it's not so much about the toys it's not so much about the things that you can acquire to help you cope with life it's not so much about the things that you can acquire and get for you so that you're distracted from all the stuff it's about how you can take you as a gift and the resources that you have Amen. and help someone else, a neighbor, a friend. So 
Eugene Peterson has this great quote. I'm going to have Patty put it on the screen. Eugene Peterson, he's talking about gospel humility, but it ties into this whole idea here that we're talking about. And uh, uh, he says this. He says, um, um, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Yeah. And so for this, for the Christ follower who has been inhabited by the Holy Spirit and who is being uh, shaped and matured and grown by the Holy Spirit, that is the attitude when it comes to our giftedness. I think, I think of myself less. I think of what I can gain a little bit less and I think of what I can give a little bit more. So if you go with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, um, I want you to hear what Paul has to say. This is the uh, New International Version, but notice what he says. He says, this is why the spiritual gifts are given, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, there's that growing up thing, right? You see the toy store differently, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. Again, emphasis there on growing up and maturing. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming hmm here's the thing if you really want to mature as a Christ follower engage your gifts in ministry that's, that's, that's what it is man you want to mature and be a Christ follower you start showing up with your gifts and you start getting involved and you join this team and join that team and you start engaging with the saints that, all, that, that don't always act so saintly, you're going to mature. In August, it will be my 23rd year of pastoral ministry. 23 years. I should be the most mature person on the planet, right? <laughs> that ain't the case, trust me. But what I do know and what I do understand is it will, it will grow you. It will challenge you to become so much more because the minute you begin to show up and begin to serve and begin to engage, you will, you, will, you will engage with people who perhaps disagree with you. You will engage with people who have perhaps a personality that sort of just rubs you the wrong way. You'll begin to engage in situations where you wonder, why is the church doing this? And why is the church doing that? Why is, and, you, and you begin to realize that you can't just have your way. And you can't demand things. And you can't, as gifted as you are and as wonderful as you are, you just may not get your way. It's not like at your normal job where you're the boss. And you tell people what to do. You show up at church, everybody's a volunteer. You show up at church and you begin to do ministry with people. It's by choice. You've decided that because of the Spirit of God living 
in you that you need to not just be one that sits on the sidelines and plays with toys, plays with your gifts. You're going to go ahead and show up and realize that your gifts are meant to be leveraged for the sake of other people. And the minute you do that, not only does it really make Satan mad, but it also just stirs things up. And you, be, you begin to move into a whole new relationship of fellowship with other Christ followers. That's why people church hop. <laughs> so don't let me even go down this road because I will sin talking about church hoppers, all right? I will. I love y'all, but I don't really. So here's the thing. <laughs> if you show up at a church and you decide to engage and you show up as a servant to give your gifts, you will, you will stay. But if you're just showing up, to just sort of say, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be entertained. I'm so grateful for what y'all do for me. I'm so glad that you've done this for me. I feel so much wonderful now. I'll make it through my week because I've been filled up with praise. Then you just become a bloated believer. Pastor Steve, is that okay? Am I, am I telling him? Is that all right? In love. This is all in love. You become a bloated believer and not one who is giving. Not one who is stepping in with the people and serving. Rubbing shoulders. Getting to know. People are always like, well, that church is so unfriendly. I don't know. I can't go there. They're not friendly to me. Well, did you show up and try to be friendly yourself? Did you try to engage or did you, were you trying to be one of those anonymous Christians? <laughs> Walk in the door, sit in the back pew real slick like. As soon as the preacher says amen, you out the door and in your car and at the restaurant before I before the next service starts, <laughs> right? All I'm saying is, Christ follower, if indeed you are maturing because the Holy Spirit dwells within you, there's a calling on your life to step into the body of believers and continue that process of growing by showing up and giving your good gifts that the good Lord gave you. Showing up and giving your gifts, I know it's a pain and it's hard because you got to deal with people. And always, we always tell, this is a big preacher joke. Don't be offended by it, but it's true. Every preacher has said this. Church ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> right? Nobody's laughing, Steve. They didn't like that. <laughs> but come on. But if indeed you determined to step in and you bring your gifts. Paul has an answer for us too in this all. Let me, let me keep going because I, I got to keep rolling. Got to keep rolling. So here's, um, here's the fundamental belief when it comes to uh, church ministry, uh, uh, spiritual gifts and church ministry. I'm going to read through it. I'm going to try to read fairly fast. Stay with it. It'll be on the screen. This is fundamental belief number 17, spiritual gifts and ministry. And I may not even read it all. I just may read till I'm ready to stop because I think it's said enough, but it's because it's long. God bestows upon all members of his church in every age spiritual gifts that each member is to employ in loving ministry for the common good of the church and of humanity. Given by the agency of the Holy Spirit who apportions to teach member, uh, who apportions to each member as he wills, the gifts provide all abilities and ministries needed by the church to fulfill its divinely ordained functions, right? 
Hang with me. According to the scriptures, these gifts include such ministries as faith, healing, prophecy, proclamation, teaching, administration, reconciliation, compassion, and self-sacrificing service and charity for the help and encouragement of the people. Some members are called of God and endowed by the Spirit for functions recognized by the church in pastoral, evangelistic, and teaching ministries particularly needed to equip the members for service, to build up the church to spiritual maturity, there's that word again, and to foster unity of the faith and knowledge of God. When members employ these spiritual gifts as faithful stewards of God's varied grace, the church is protected from the destructive influence of the false false doctrine grows with the growth that is from God and is built up in faith and love. Boom. I know it's a lot. You can go back and read it, find it online. Here's the cool thing of what, what I love about that whole thing, the one thing that I pull out of it, is that it's a gift of God's grace that we receive the gifts. It's God's grace. So the next passage that we're going to look at, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13 from the message, kind of helps us to develop this a little bit. It's it's a gift of God's varied grace is how the fundamental belief reads. You and I did not have to suffer and die the way Jesus did, but we get the benefit of his suffering and his death. It's like Jesus goes, suffers, has a really, really difficult time loses his life, is crucified, is pronounced all kinds of terrible things. And he comes back in victory and shares his gifts with you and me. See, that's, that's not normal. If I go and I suffer and I get through something, I'm not thinking about anybody else. I ain't bringing y'all nothing. But Jesus is different. Notice what he says. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the, in the message. He says this, but that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, it says, and the, the NIV translate that, translates that grace. Out of the grace of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed the high mountain. This is now talking about Jesus' victorious, uh, his victory over Satan. He climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it all out in gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth, and the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up the highest heaven. He ascended back to heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christ followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, there's that theme again, fully developed within, the, within and without, fully alive like Christ. It's a lot to take in again, but basically, because of Jesus' victory and what he's done, a victory that you did not achieve and a victory that you could not achieve, because of his victory and his grace towards you and me, he gives us gifts. Not toys, but gifts. Toys are all about you. Gifts are all about others. 
Your gifts aren't simply for you to have and to hang on to and to primarily benefit you. Your gifts are to be distributed and used in the context of the body that impacts not just your body, the church, but beyond. That's the idea behind these gifts. Um, There's a word that's used here in in these conversations about gifts that Paul uses. It's the word charisma. Charisma. And it literally means grace gifts. That's what you have. That's what I have. We have charisma. That's not to speak to your charm and your ch- how charming you are. That's to speak to how gifted you are. As a Christ follower, you've been, you've been given charisma. You've been given these grace gifts. You don't deserve it. But God in his love and his wisdom and his grace gives it to us. So it all goes back to that old saying that we've heard a million times. We're probably sick of it. It's probably become cliche. You know it. To whom much has been given, much is expected. I've been given tremendous grace. On my worst day, you think of your worst day in this country in which you and I live. You think of your, the worst thing that can happen to you. It's still a pretty good day here. It's still a pretty good evidence of God's grace, even on our worst day. You and I have been given so much. Is because of God's grace. First Peter chapter four verses seven to ten. This is uh, this is really good. Listen to what Peter says about our gifts. The end of all things is near. So he puts it in this eschatological sort of a, of a context. Peter says, <clears throat> "The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray." Verse eight. Above all. Love each other, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, the the passage that stands out there, right, is the one that says, love covers over a multitude of sins. And the only thing I can, well, it's not the only thing, but the thing that sort of landed with me, and you might, it might land somewhere else with you. Go back and read it and study it. But I can't help but think that Peter understands the dynamic that happens in the context of a body of believers and in a church. Because like I was saying before, the minute you show up and you decide to engage, you have made a decision to seek deeper intimacy with a whole bunch of people that you may not know very well, and a whole bunch of people that as you get to know them, you may start to like them even less. In other words, when we decide to fellowship, when we decide to love, when we decide to engage, and when we decide to submit our gifts to the body, things get really challenging. And what Peter's saying is you have to be fully committed to loving people. And and this type of love requires a certain level of maturation, right? Because typically what happens in a church, if I show up and I'm all in and I love Jesus, I'm here, I'm going to do whatever they ask me to do until somebody says something really bad to me or somebody looks at me funny the wrong way or somebody treats me a little bit awkward. And then 
then it's my fight or flight. I'm either going to show up and I'm just going to be... Or I'm just going to transfer and start going to another church. Fight or flight. I'm going to show up and be mean and and just sort of not get along with anybody and say bad things and and complain and and all this sort of thing. Or I'm just going to leave. And Peter's basically saying that's really not the best option. There's actually a third option. It's not fight. It's not flight. It's love. Wow. It goes for us preachers too. That's hard. No joke. I shouldn't even tell this story, but I'm going to tell it. <laughs> no joke. Pastor in a church, and another church, not this one. Pastor in church. And, and I had this lady pull me aside after, after church one time. And uh, she's very serious, very serious. She sat me down. And we sat down. I was like, hey, I'm thinking she's going to share with me how relationships going bad, something like that. I'm going to pray and just kind of minister to her in that way. And what she said was actually quite shocking to me. So she sat down with me. She said, you know, she said, she said you know, you, um, and she knew, she knew Christina. And she said, and she, she looked at us, or she, she knew Christina. If y'all haven't figured this out, my wife Christina, and I, this is an inter, interracial marriage, right? So anyway, just so y'all know. So this lady sits down with me, and she says, look, um, you're unequally yoked with your wife. <laughs> she said, you're unequally yoked, and the Lord is not in favor of the races mixing. That's what she told me, right there to my face. <laughs> and I said, in my mind, love, 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 love. That's actually not what I said. I just lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> But you see what I'm saying? You never know what you're going to bump up against amongst God's people and his children because we come from all sort of walks and backgrounds. And you will find people that are at different stages of their journey than you are. And, and you, will, you will have ideological and theological issues that you come across and weird things that people pull out of the Bible that you have to begin to deal with. And Peter's saying, love. Wow. I gotta love the lady who thinks I'm in an unequally yoked marriage? Who just said that God thinks my marriage is bad? <laughs> can I just kick her out? Please, can we just have a vote? No, I'm joking. Love. Love. Love covers over a multitude of sins. You have two choices you can fight or you can fly. Peter says you can also. Love, 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 love. Two, two sections of scripture deal with this whole idea of spiritual gifts, and I don't have time to hit them both very well right now, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mention them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, and then Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. So 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says this, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, there are, there are different kinds of gifts, he says, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
right? So keep that in mind, and we'll hit Romans 12 real quick too. For just as each, Romans 12, 4 through 8, for just as each of us has one body with many members, right? There's lots of diversity, lots of different members, different functions, and these members do, do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. The big point out of those two big sections of Scripture is that there are many, many different gifts, and all of us have different functions. The Spirit distributes them all. The Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you is the same Spirit that dwells in me. And He's given me gifts, not toys. He's given me gifts to then leverage to benefit the body. But it may be this function up here and not a different function somewhere in the church. And you are called to a certain function in the body. And sometimes it may be up here or it may be behind the scenes or it may be out in the parking lot. Who knows? The point is all of us matter. And there was silence in the church, Brother Steve. <laughs> All of us matter. We're all on the same team. You and I have the same jersey. Even though in little words, mine says Dallas Cowboys. But anyway, we all have, we, we all have the same jersey. We're all on the same team. And we all serve a certain function. We're all together. And the coolest thing is when you have a church that's working in rhythm together. It's clear about our purpose. It's clear about what we're supposed to be about. And I recognize your gift and you recognize your gift. I recognize what God has called me to do. But we're all working towards the same thing. That's to serve. That's to be a gift. That's to leverage what we have and the resources that we have access to to relieve suffering and pain. So I'm out of time, but um, we'll, we'll, I'm going to end with two passages, and then I'm going to show you a quick video. Two passages from 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy says this, just listen to these words. I'm praying that God's Spirit will move. Do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. Put it to use. And then 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan in the flame. Don't neglect it. Fan in the flame. When he says fan in the flame, he's saying make Make a bonfire. Grow your influence. The heat that you feel from the presence of the Spirit of God should, should only catch fire and begin to impact your particular sphere. And it begins right here in your own church. All right, so to that end, I'm going to show you a quick video. This will be our end. This will be our wrap. And I pray that it, it lands on you and sparks the already bit of fire that exists in your soul, but it's about influence, it's about the Global Leadership Summit that's coming, and it's an opportunity to sort of, um, sort of energize your giftedness to see how you can make an impact here in our church, 
And it's about influence, fanning into flame that which is in you.